0: how's it going everybody hope everyone's having a fantastic day i invite you to pull up a chair sit back and relax and welcome you to season two episode 12 of the spima council podcast um i uh we're back in business for for term for term two it's it's 2021 kind of think that's crazy but i hope everyone had a time to relax and recuperate this holiday break um i hope um Hope uh, you know whether you know you did a you uh, you know you did some stuff over the holiday break or you or you did a whole bunch of nothing. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine too. We need some time to, uh, to slow life down after uh after after uh the first after the first after the first term. So um, again, hope everyone hope everyone's doing well as uh we're in uh, as we're in the first week of uh, of term two here. And uh, joining us now as as a co-host is um is uh is the head of our uh, is that of our uh, podcast social media evan pike how's it going my man
1: yeah thank you Will. uh going good going good we got a great interview today oh, yeah. um yep very excited about that uh you know i'm just just hanging out at home you know as everybody should be because it's a lockdown
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh you know just resting up for for second semester ready yep. to go for a for a solid
0: twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh we had quite the guest uh to kick off the second half. Um you uh you may you may have seen his articles in the Toronto Star. Uh you may have seen uh, his 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 journal his journalistic pieces when he worked for Sportsnet, or you may have heard him on the air on uh SportsNet five nine to fan when he was a co host of primetime sports with Bob McCowan. Uh we had Damien uh Damien Cox. Um uh, re- uh, re- a really, really great, 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 inter- great interview that, uh, that that taught us a lot about uh, about his side, his side of the industry, the uh, the journalism and, and journalism and journalism and media side, and, and really just a a, a qual a, a real quality interview. Evan, what did you think of it?
1: Yeah, uh, you know he's had so much experience in sort of these sort of situations, you know, with interviewing, you know, guests and. And uh, sort of to see him on the other side, and uh, just sort of how you know experienced and comfortable, and and uh, you know the way he can he can carry a conversation is something I think that both of us hope to aspire, oh, yeah. you know, aspire towards. And uh, you know anybody sort of looking towards journalism and media and and uh, being able to really just sort of you know tell a story or or you know analyze a story or you know, anything along those lines. Um, I think, you know, his insight on his career and and the things he's learned and his experiences is very valuable for, uh, for sport management students.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he, he, like, um, he, he, he he really, uh, there was, you know, a couple of points that stood out, stood out, stood out to me just, you know, how, 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 uh, from, from, from his view, um, uh, sports media ha- has has progressed almost almost a, almost a light almost a light almost a lifetime. You know how how it's viewed, how it's consumed, how it how it's per- how it's perceived. I mean, you know, uh, well, you know, a bit of a culture shock because because uh, you know he was saying to us he started in 1985 in journalism school. He was writing typewriters and and. And that was and that and that and that and that was that for me personally was just like a was this like a big whoa moment, whoa moment whoa moment for me of you know how of how far uh how far you know media and you know and you know how it's produced or consumed as has as gone as has has as um has as has gone this has gone this far as we enter twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah yeah it's crazy oh yeah the advances in technology and and everything it's it's you know it's it's humbling right it's it's good to sort of hear those things like we don't have to experience those sort of things like you know my parents will tell me you know when they were in school they when they were writing assignments on typewriters they made a mistake they'd have to start the whole thing over again so we're very fortunate we don't have to we don't have to deal with that. You can just Ma- you magic
0: and... of the magic of the magic of autocorrect, eh? The magic yeah. of autocorrect, spell check. Just those, yep. just just, the, just those, just those simple things Make, makes you, it makes you think what else we take for granted, and. And, and, and he, and, you know, we all, and, you know, he also shares, um, you know, his experience, his experiences, uh, with, with, uh, being on the committee for the, for the Lou Mar for the Lou Marsh trophy and, uh, and law lo- and lots of insight on, uh, on how it came to be a tie this year, uh, with the award winners. Um, we won't, we won't spoil, we won't spoil anything on that, but, uh, but it's, but it, but it, it, it was, a it, it's about, it was a great, sto- it was a great story. Um, just like, uh, just like the rest of this interview. And, you know, I, uh, I hope you tune in and join, and join us for the ride. Evan, any final thoughts before uh, we send it over to Damien?
1: Nope. I think, I think it's, it's a great time to send it over to Damien.
0: Yeah. Yeah, t- definitely. Definitely. Uh, with, with that, uh, let's send it over to da- to Damien Cox of the Toronto star. We hope you all enjoy episode 12. Cheers folks. Right, to kick off 2021 and the second half of season two of the FEMA council podcast we have a very special guest a sports industry veteran if you will uh, with work um, spanning over a uh, multitude of organizations notably the Toronto Star and Sportsnet the Fan 590. Please welcome Damian Cox to the podcast it is a pleasure to have you on.
2: Good morning, guys. Whenever people start calling you a veteran, it's easier just to say, we got an old guy with us today. He's going to tell us about stuff that happened a long, long time ago. Um, (laughs) Actually, I I realized the other day that I'm now into having started at the Toronto Star in 1983. I'm now into my fifth, uh, fifth? fifth decade of writing for, uh, for them. So I've been uh, doing this for a long, long time, which is uh, makes me one of the really lucky guys in the industry.
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, as we like to start a uh, start uh, off, off uh, all of our episodes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a regular feature going on the council podcast. Damien, what makes your store, your industry story unique? <laughs>
2: um, you know, I think, uh, one of the great things about working in journalism and broadcasting, all the different things I've done is pretty much everybody's story is unique. I mean, it's really, I know guys who started, you know, they were lawyers or they were any number of other things. In terms of my, my personal story, um, I'm probably um, a good example of someone who pretty much just sort of fell uh, asked backwards into uh, something and ended up doing it for the majority of their adult life. Unlike a lot of people, I wasn't uh, really uh, focused uh, in school um, and um, focused on journalism in particular and really not focused at all on working in, in sports media. So I guess if my is unique, um, hopefully partly it's because I feel like it's I've been successful, but also hopefully because um, this is not where I expected to be um, in any way, shape or form, if I expected to be anywhere, um, and yet here I am. So. I guess it's about the luck of the draw, about following your heart, about uh, making decisions often more with your gut than with your brain, and uh, that's probably the part of my story that's unique.
1: So a little off topic, what, what sort of did you see yourself doing before, uh, before you started this career in journalism?
2: I had no clue. I mean Mm -hmm. I just had no clue um and then but but what once I got into so I I was at McMaster um uh, I did a degree in a bunch of stuff but ended up getting a degree in political science I always laugh when I think about my first year there and I was doing classes in chemistry and calculus and it just shows where life can take you um and then um uh, I could have gone to to law school or journalism school, I'll never forget the disappointed look on my parents' face when they told them I was when I told them I was going to journalism school, and uh, and then it kind of clicked in a way because once I thought, okay, this is something I think I'd like to do, and it melded well with politics, and so that was certainly where I thought I was going to end up is sort of following, you know, yeah. political journalism, um, you know, I. I guess when I, was, when, I, when I first started working, I thought, okay, well, I'll work at City Hall and then I'll work at Queen's Park and then I'll work at the, you know, uh, in, in Ottawa and maybe I'll get a, a foreign posting somewhere. You know, that's sort of what, uh, that's as close to a dream as I had. Um, and uh, so that's probably as close as I can tell you any kind of plan I ever had.
1: Right. And so that was sort of, uh, your motivation in terms of going towards sport and in journalism and broadcasting, or was there something else that sort of triggered the, the sport? No, I mean, I really
2: wasn't, yeah, I really wasn't motivated to go towards sports. It just kind of happened. I'd been working. So I was hired full-time at the star in 1985. You guys remember 85. eh? And, uh, uh, I remember, and I worked, my first job was in the Scarborough, Scarborough News Bureau. And I was sort of between there and the downtown news pool for four years, four and a half years until so. And I, so it was something I was really, wasn't getting anywhere, but I was kind of learning the business. I was, I was a cub reporter, you know, I covered fires and parades and you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, some murder trials, stuff like that. And then in 1989, uh, one of the this guy who was sports editor came up and said, you know, would you be interested in coming over to the sports department? And so I thought, you know, maybe I'd cover like back then, high school sports was a big, was a big beat. And I thought it'd be something like that or junior hockey. And, and he said, no, no, I, I, I want you to cover the Leafs. And I was like, And I'll never forget, uh, I'll never forget the city editor at the time, who was my boss. When I told him that, you know, the sports department or sports editor had offered me this, this, this position. And he said, uh, why would you want to do that? And that's sort of (laughs) the way, uh, it was thought of at that time. Um, so again, going with my gut and my heart, more than my brain, probably I said, okay, I'll try it. And, uh, Um, that's how I ended up going down that path.
1: Right. And uh, sort of, so at that point, was that sports editor, was he sort of someone that um, sort of obviously gave you that chance, but, excuse me, but what do you think that that is important for uh, people like, uh, you know, new graduates starting uh, industry professionals, do you think it's important for people to give, uh, future sport managers those sort of opportunities uh, in terms of like, you know, giving them chances like that to cover, you know, professional sports and, and sort of big opportunities like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, like uh, for me it was, and I think this differs a little bit than the way it is today, although I don't necessarily know what the way it is today. Um, I mean, I had done all the basics. I'd learned how to be a news reporter. Um, I covered, you know, been involved in some really big stories as part of a group. Um, so that was my training, and yeah, you know, yeah, he was giving me uh, an opportunity, but it was also I was someone who had sort of apprenticed, uh, if you will, um, and was ready and to help his department, and I was able to. do that but all the things I learned in news journalism really ended up being very much to my benefit in sports journalism which some people think is such a different thing and for me it was largely just taking the same set of um, skills and ideas and applying them to something else and I've always believed that that I could have worked in you know politics or sports or entertainment or or, or, or whatever, I think. Um, and I, I think that's what a journalist can do. And as it turns out, um, you know, working in different media as well.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. And, you know, I, I like that you that, you know, you touched on, you know, the concept of, you know, constantly learning while, you know, using those transfer transferable skills to your and to, to your to your advantage. And, You know, to to our to our to our listeners, to to SPUA students listening uh, listening out there. You know, you can in in any in any role if you take advantage of it. You're bound to get some transfer transferable skills. So even if you know, and like in your situation, like in your situation, if it was if you know if it's like a a crime a crime report or a political or political report. You know the the basis of you know of of you know reporting the facts, uh, keep, uh, keeping good journalistic integrity. Uh, that apply that applies to um, uh, get to getting to stories in 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 sports, ensuring that you know you're putting out uh, good good content for uh, the readers to to uh, to consume each morning, whether it's. You know, uh, on in the uh, in the traditional paper version, or uh, or or di- or digitally uh, through uh, through their phones, which is happening uh, a lot more a lot more right now. Um, I want to switch um, uh, uh, paths from uh, writing to radio, where you were a co-host on uh, Primetime Sports on uh, Sportsnet five The Fan, uh, alongside uh, Canadian radio legend Bob McCowan uh, for for a number of years. Although sport has shifted to a digital heavy environment, what value do you sports radio productions, uh, similar to prime time uh, uh, bring to the consumer?
2: Well, you know, I think it's something that we're still kind of evaluating. Um, I think, you know, sports fans, sports consumers, consumers of sports entertainment, we can, you know, uh, identify people in any way we want, um, consume their uh, information, um, and want to consume their information in lots of different ways. Um, and you know, before, and again, not to take you back to the you know the Stone Age, but you know, when I was grew when I grew up in Hamilton, it was the Hamilton Spectator, the sports section of the Hamilton Sport Spectator, and then maybe as part of the morning, they'd have a sports report on the radio station and that was pretty much it. Now, of course, you've got this huge universe and what you're seeing is whether it's newspapers or radio in particular, um, and even television that had a certain role at one point, now their role is shifting. So when it comes to radio, I think the role has shifted and maybe been diminished by, um, to some respect. And I think sports radio is still finding, okay, if we can't be what we used to be, what we can be, just like newspapers are. So I remember, you know, sort of in the, in the early 90s or in the 90s when, when sports radio was really starting um, or getting big in particular, you know, you didn't want to miss uh, an update at five or 520 or 540 um, and you wanted to be listening all the time so you'd know what was going on well the three of us probably would think that is about the slowest possible way I could get my information now because right. yep. we're going to go on social media we're going to be you know, going to websites we're going to be doing various things so I think that has changed radio so now it has to become even more about entertainment and opinion definitely, um, definitely. and so- yeah, and I and I think that 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 has changed it.
0: Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I, and I I mean, you do see that entertainment aspect uh come coming through in in lots in lots in lots of in lots of, produ- in lots of productions. You know, there it's um it's all about uh in sh- making people want to tune in, especially though especially those who you know aren't your aren't your traditional sports rate sports rate sports radio audience and you're and, and you're in your and you're seeing things that you know you wouldn't think that would that's uh that you know would be done even 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 10 even even ten, even 10 even 10 even 10 years ago there's many there's many quizzes there's many quizzes going uh going going on there's the comedic elements uh brought into sports radio some sometimes sometimes no longer can you know just sit by and and read out and read off and read off the and read off the head the headlines you know they're competing sports radios competing uh for airtime um yeah with um with with a disadvantage with a disadvantage because on the other side is uh, is is the is the visual format where you know people find uh, find uh, can find more appealing. So you know, there's definitely been a, there's definitely been a shift, but I think uh, it's sort of for sports radio to uh, to ensure that you know they're always innovating uh, their 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 product their production, the quality of the production, and what they can do to uh, advance it to ensure that they have uh, the best listenership possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying, but yeah. you know, it's—I'm not sure where they're going to be in another five years. I mean, yeah. now, if I want to listen to a sports discussion, I mean, I'm not—I have to be honest—I'm not a huge consumer of sports media, so uh, I don't know a, what a lot. But I'm more likely to listen to a podcast, whether it's you know, Bill Simmons or whatever, as opposed to make an appointment to be and listen to the radio show you know, and I know you you can get that in podcast form as well, but, you know, that's another area that radio is competing against. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think like all media, it has to be evolving and it has to be evolving fast. Definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're going to sort of switch back uh, gears towards your career now. Um, Sort of maybe touch on something in your career you've encountered, maybe a moment or, some sort of uh, like setback in whether it was your career in the industry and really how did that sort of help you or challenge you for the rest of your career?
2: Well, you know, I have to be honest. I mean, I was pretty, uh, I've had a pretty lucky career um, without a whole lot of setbacks. And so probably, you know, in terms of, Not necessarily a setback, but a moment at which I had to reevaluate and, and, and rethink, okay, if if I can't necessarily do that, then what am I going to do? And, you know, so, so probably that came about what are we now, (laughs) a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I left Sportsnet. Um, uh, And so after doing television and radio for years, or having left the newspaper industry full-time to work in television and radio, uh, I now wasn't going to be working in television and radio anymore. Um, And I think I was 58 years old at that time. And uh, I thought, okay, well, does this mean my career is over? Does this mean I want my career to be over? Does this mean I should start, you know, looking around for other opportunities? in a business where as i joked to you guys before you know i started learning on a typewriter is there any room left for me you know um you know learn at journalism school on a typewriter is there any room for me um uh, it, particularly with the necessary diversification of the business bringing in you know a lot more women a lot more people of different ethnicities and so um I, I, again I wouldn't say it was a setback but it really caused me to ponder okay how do I want this to go um right and you know I think uh basically I've ended up continuing to write columns for the Toronto Star and do some books and do some other projects and it's working out pretty good but you know it, it is a moment that caused you to pause
1: right and you also mentioned that uh you know when you were starting out you were uh you know writing assignments and doing uh journals and and uh articles on a typewriter would you say that technology and sort of the advancement there has been a bit of a challenge um
2: but i mean that was a long time ago right like let me tell you the internet is a big thing i mean so so i was i've been working in the business i was just starting to work yeah in sports media when the internet hit so that was in the early 90s and that changed everything mm-hmm. um so you work through that and then you know like i say 24 7 sports radio sports tv that changed that and then you know what has happened people like myself working both in newspapers and radio and television doing that changed that right you know so you know my career because of when it's taken place and over a long period of time, um, it's that sort of technological challenge has been there, uh, frequently all along. It wasn't just, you know, and, and then, you know, so now it's, you know, what's meaningful podcasts, right? Books, Magazines, radio, television, what, what matters anymore? You know, what, what allows you to, to work in the, in the business, and find something meaningful to say. So, um, I, I think that's, that's always been a challenge in media because things have been changing so fast over the last 40 years.
0: Yeah, definitely. 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 It, 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 it honestly, it honestly feels like a world of change, even, even in like the past five, even in the past five to 10 years. But, um, I, I liked a point where you said, you know, you had to take a moment to to pause. And um and I and you know, I, I can and I, I I can I can assume that uh you listeners out there, everyone everyone felt that um in in the in the in the early stages of in the early stages of twenty twenty, especially those uh that were that were that were that working in the industry you know, everything stops, everything stopped there, you know, fans, bands, no sports games, no, not, not even recreational sports games, nothing. So, you know, for, 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 you know, for a lot of people, I think, um, you know, taking some time to pause, taking some time to pause is, you know, is 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 really beneficial to, you know, evaluate yourself, evaluate your priorities and, and like and like you said uh, evaluate you know what what, what, br- what brings you what brings you bring what brings you purpose what brings you meaning in in your in your in your in your work and you know if if you, if you find a role temporary or uh, temporary permanent do- doesn't matter if you find a role that, is, that has purpose that ha- that has meaning over time, uh, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work because, you know, it's something that you enjoy, you and you enjoy doing. And it's, and it's not just something you can, you know, put on your resume or put on your LinkedIn and, uh, sort of, and sort of hang and sort of hang your hat on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that's the nice part of it. The, the mm-hmm. difficult part is the panic, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Of. of you know, sort of not being um, part of anything in the way that you've been part of things for a long period of time. You know, and it it takes a while, you know, I mean, it takes we're talking months and, you know, trying to figure out and feel good about things again. At a certain point, you reach the conclusion that, look, this is all fun and games. Um, You know, I think Too much in sports media, there's this belief that we're doing something that is going to last, that we're going to have a legacy, that we're going to, um, you know, that that, that I want to stay in it because people are going to remember me. Well, I've seen so many people come and go in the business and gradually the realization comes is that it's a job. It's a, it's a really fun job or it can be. Um, And... That's what it is, but it takes you a little while to get to that point and then, then turn yourself around and say, okay, if, if I do want to work, what do I want to do? And so that's kind of been the process for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So to touch on the fun, to touch on the fun parts, uh, you were part of the committee that uh, that votes on the Lou on the Lou Marsh Award. For anyone that doesn't know who the Lou Marsh Award, um, what the Lou Marsh Award is, sorry, uh, it's given to uh, Canada's Canada's Athlete of the Year. Now this year was unique as uh, for. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, for the first time in the awards history, there was a tie as it was given to Alfonso Davies of FC Bayern of the Bundesliga and Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif of the Kansas City Chiefs. What was it like to be a part of that process and how much did the humanitarian efforts of both athletes influence the decision?
2: Well, I mean, I've been involved in the Lou Marsh Committee for about 15 years and I, and I run it now. So it's sort of, uh, nice. for me, it's half interesting and half work you know and and let me tell you when you try to get together a lot of sports media people it is really like herding cats (laughs) you know usually we have a lot of people in in a big room and then a few people on telephone and you know one of the things I've tried to do since I've been running the committee is I want to I wanted to make it bigger cover more parts of Canada and add diversity to it so That means our group is now swollen to over 30. We're about 35, 36 now. And this year we couldn't do it in person. We had to do it by Zoom. So that made it different this year as well. Um, But the discussion was was excellent as it always is. Um, And quite, you know, quite intense as it always is. And I think this year, um, you know, the humanitarian contributions of these two young men really, um, um, played a part more for Duvernay Tardif, I would say, because he gave up, uh, football to work on the front lines during the COVID crisis, but certainly Alfonso Davies because of his, his, his history as a, as a refugee and the work he's doing for the United Nations and trying to be a spokesman in that area, you know, was, was part of it. But I think if, if Duvernay Tardif, uh, if, if he hadn't done what he'd done and opted out of the NFL this year, Alfonso Davies would have won the award. Um, I think people recognize, and even Duvernay Tardif recognizes, that Davies is a superior athlete who had this incredible year. Duvernay Tardif is one part of a superb team. Right. And you know not, he's not even the best player on the team or anything, anywhere close to it. But his uh, decision to opt out um, you know, was so important in 2020 and and seen as such a sacrifice. And he was part of a Super Bowl team. And eventually, I can tell you, I know how the vote went. And uh, it was quite incredible how close it was. It was was a great moment, I think, for the committee and for the Lou Mars trophy to have a little bit of a different kind of decision.
1: So, uh, Damon, sort of sticking to this, uh, this sort of fun aspect of your job, uh, sort of want to ask you a creative question here. Um, so if you sort of had an opportunity to interview anyone in history, whether it be alive or dead, who, who would it be and why? Yeah, I
2: mean, the list of possibilities uh, is long and probably would be different tomorrow, if you asked me tomorrow. I mean, right now I'm reading Barack Obama's memoir. Um, And I already have a lot of questions that I would have for the former president. So certainly he's a a guy who um, would be incredible to interview. I mean, I think the one thing about him is he's obviously, and and it's great that he's still alive. You know, you could go back in history and, you know, and and try to unravel some unfinished business or mysteries from the past and, and with figures from political or you know, international fame and, you know, want, want to know how they, what, how they, why they did what they did. I mean, I think there's a lot of people like that, but, you know, I mean, you know, uh, whether it's politics or music, I mean, it could be somebody like Bruce Springsteen or sports. If it was someone like, you know, Roger Federer, that would be someone I'd I'd be interested in talking to. So I think people that have uh, more to say than just what they what the actual thing they do, and I know Barack Obama, Barack Obama would want to talk basketball for sure and the Raptors. What's wrong with the Raptors? So uh, I think he'd be great to talk to on any number of uh, levels. So I'll stick with him for now.
0: For 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 sure for sure. Um, uh, like that uh, you that you br- that you brought up um, ath- ath- athletes and uh, and public figures who. You know who you know again have have different layers to them and, and as and as you said are more than than what than what they than what's uh than what they than what they do as as a as a as a as a job so great point for sure um well we're just at the end of the episode and uh it's tradition around here at the spima council podcast to uh get to uh let the guest end off and, and and uh end off the show to say what's um What's on? Uh, what's on? What's on your mind, or uh, or to give a bit of advice for um, our for our listeners who are mostly SPUA students uh, on how to build a successful career in the in in the in the sport industry, or in your case, the uh, journalism and media side of it. So, Damien, thank you again, and the floor is yours.
2: Well, thanks for having me, guys, and and I'm always a little i um, reluctant when it comes to uh, offering up advice. I mean, you're going to look at me for advice based on where I was when I was your guy's age. I'm not sure I'm the, the, the best guy. I mean, I could tell you the best places to drink at McMaster University, <laughs> but I couldn't necessarily tell you, you know, how I use that as a springboard. But, you know, the only thing I would say is that I think, you, you know, you could reflect a little bit on is if you're looking at my career path, is, well, I I was always interested in a lot of things. I always read a lot um, and I didn't decide, okay, I'm gonna do this one thing and aim at one thing. Um, So I think being, you know, skilled at a few things and being willing to learn and serve an apprenticeship um, really served me well. So, you know, at a time like this where media is changing so fast, I think the best advice I could give anybody is, read a lot of books, you know, be be able to talk about more than just one thing mm-hmm. or one area um, and be prepared to be flexible and do something that you don't necessarily wanna do, but as a means to getting you ultimately um, to um, where you wanna get to. I mean, for me, as, as I, as I explained to you guys, I certainly didn't lay out a path for myself and I couldn't have foreseen when I was starting out or leaving journalism school, what the the world of sports media was going to look like 25 years in the future. I mean, you just, you know, it wasn't there. So, um, those, those are the things I would, would do. I understand why people want to get dialed in and, and do one thing, but, You know, to be really good at what we do here, um, uh, you know, and and, be good journalists, good broadcasters, good podcasters, good whatever, you know, it really serves you to be well read, well rounded, and willing to, you know, be flexible and do things that aren't necessarily first things on your agenda.
0: That's an awesome way to, to end the episode off. Damien, uh, Damian, again, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for, for uh, coming on to the show.
2: Okay, Thank guys, you. it was a pleasure and uh, good luck. And maybe we'll talk again soon.
0: Cheers, Damien. That was a great episode, as always. Uh, once again, we'd like to give a big shout-out to our guest this week, Damien Cox, for coming on to the show to share his story and share his wealth of experience from his time uh, at the Sportsnet 590, the fan, and where he is now with the Toronto Star and the uh, Lou Marsh Voting co- Voting Committee. And... <clears throat> and some great insight as to how much the, the world and sport media has changed. Uh, typewriters got uh, brought up a couple times during a couple times during the show. So, uh, uh, bit of a culture shock, bit of a culture shock for us, but um, a great guy to have on nonetheless. Uh, another shout-out goes goes to um, our head of social media, Evan Pike, for once again uh, joining me in the show as a co-host. Uh, you did an excellent job, as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, having you on a future episode soon. That does it for this episode of the SPEMA Council Podcast. Until next time, we say thank you for tuning in and stay classy. Cheers, folks.